Sarah, I started a Substack last spring, just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a mom of three kids, ages two, five, and seven, and I live in Southern California. And I'm Megan. I am the mom of five kids, ages six through 17, and I live in Michigan. This is the Mom Hour, part of the Life Listened Network. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. How are you? I am great. Um, I'm excited for today's topic. We are going to be talking about free range parenting and raising Mm. free range kids. We're getting controversial. Yeah, we're diving right in. And um, for the first time, we're going to make this a two part series. So uh, those of you who've been listening for a little while know that we never run out of things to talk about. We usually run out of time. So we decided up front that this was a big enough topic that we're going to break it into two. So this is episode 12 and um, you'll be, if you're listening to it when it comes out, then in one week from now, you'll hear episode 13, which will sort of be a continuation. So we'll see how this goes. It's the first time we've done a two-parter. It's our own serial. They're serial. (laughs) (laughs) Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat so it's perfect for travel. 
the Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Um, All right, so we're also going to bring back another one of our, I will call it a very irregular segment because we it's one of those things we say we're going to do and then sometimes we don't because we're just finding our way This here, is where but- if we were fancy, we'd hit a little button and it would go like a very irregular segment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we need to have all kinds of Who fancy. needs a button? I think you should just do that every time. Um, so that is our little Instagram moment of the week. Megan and I are both on Instagram. We'll link to our feeds in the show notes at themomhour.com. And we use this as kind of a way to give you guys a little peek into what we've been up to lately. The funny, the silly, the serious So, um, Megan, you went out to the West Coast, to my left coast recently um, for a conference. I'm looking at a picture of you in a leopard print robe, which is fitting because I think you were in Portland, right? I was in Portland. Which prides itself on being wacky and weird. Yeah. So I went to a a conference called the World Domination Summit, which sounds very scary. But my good friend Asha Dornfest, um, who runs the blog ParentHacks.com, which um, is a great great place to find ideas for hacking parenting. So it's really cool. She's the best. So Um, such a good resource. So she was speaking and had an extra ticket and invited me to come be her guest. And it was really, it was really fun. It was not scary. Uh, It was kind of funny because Sarah sent me a text while I was there that said something like, uh, are you dominating the world yet? yet? Or can I still be your friend? Can I still be your friend when you're dominating the world? (laughs) I did not, unfortunately, um, learn how to do an evil takeover of the world yet but it was really it was a great conference and there was a lot of inspiring stuff there and and, is this um, really the oh kid president was there oh oh and he spoke and he was so sweet and cute and charming and so is his uncle who does his uh who does the videos so that was oh that's awesome yeah um so is this leopard print robe oh yes so that's the story is that the actual uh hotel provided robe well yeah and you can buy out of vegas it was just kind of funny because I got to the hotel before Asha, or she was at a rehearsal, and so I was just kind of hanging around the room waiting for her, and so I started taking pictures. I started Instagramming pictures of myself, like, eating the <laughs> chips out of the mini bar because I was starving, and so I tweeted it, and I was like, sorry, Asha, I ate the $7 chips from the mini bar. It was a chip emergency, <laughs> and then I had to iron my clothes, so I you know, didn't have any on because I was ironing them, so I put on that leopard print robe, and then I tweeted at her um, an Instagram to her, and I said, you know, sorry that I took the $90 robe from the closet, Asha. Uh, it was a robe emergency. So it was just kind of funny. I was having, I I was having fun. Yeah. And well, it was, it looked pretty good on me. I have to say. It does look good. And when you guys, listeners see this, we'll put it in the show notes. The, the wallpaper's funky. The floor yes. is funky. Whatever's in the background of this picture, like a this lighting picture. Well, and it was this <laughs> huge mirror right in front of the bed. Okay. Which was a little funny. We would just kind of lay there at night and look at this weird mirror and be like, why is that there? It's so big and it's right in front of the bed. Um, so it was very cool. It was the Hotel Monaco, which is a uh-huh. Kimpton property. Yep. And we I have those, other Hotel Monaco, yeah. but not. Yeah. Important. And there's one, we've stayed at the Palomar in Chicago. They're cool. They all have yeah. a, like their own sort of feel. And uh, yeah. yeah, this one had like weird bird wallpaper and yeah. very funky furnishings. They also had a free wine hour every night, Ooh, a free wine nice. reception in the lobby. And there was like a huge Jenga game and people were painting and like there was music. It was really cool. It was great. It's a, I've, I've always liked Kimpton Hotels, but now I'm even yes. more of a fan. 
Yes. So. Kimpton plus Portland equals exactly weird and cool. Weirder. <laughs> it was weird. It was weird. I kind of felt like I was in an episode of Portlandia the whole time, but yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really true. Oh, that's great. Yeah. All right. Oh, so my turn. Instagram for Mine me. is totally self-serving, but um, that's okay, right? Okay. So earlier this week, Sarah Instagrammed something very exciting. We were, the mom hour was featured in an episode, or an episode, in an article on mental floss, which has been a site that's been on my radar for at least 10 years. Yeah. And it's a really cool oh, site. Oh, really? That long? I feel like I didn't start noticing it until recently, but it's always really interesting. I, it's stuff. been around for a long time. I mean, maybe not 10, but it's been along around for a okay. long time. It's very well respected. I mean, it's, it's good yeah. stuff. It's good information. And um, I, I kind of feel like sometimes those cool sites have been pushed out by places like BuzzFeed that learned how to, you right. know, dominate, the dominate the world <laughs> faster. But I was, we were um, listed with some really great podcasts as one of, in this list of favorite yeah, parenting so podcasts. 19 notable podcasts about parenting, I think, Which, and we'll yeah. link to that article. And there's we'll the great, article. a lot of the shows that I already love are in this list, but then there's some that I've never heard of that yeah. I can't wait to check out. Yes. Um, and the writer definitely did her homework. I mean, you can tell she um, listened to not just our show, but all the shows that she reviewed and she broke it up into shows that are great for moms and then some for dads and then some for mom and dads. And I yeah. think we were in the mom and dad section. So we were, dad, we were in the mom and dad section. Yep. Thank you. Hey, and you and, know what? I don't know if you noticed this, um, Sarah, this might be a surprise for you, but we were also listed in on a website called Teaching Sam and Scout. So big shout out to Teaching Sam and Scout. Oh, no, I didn't know um, that. We were listed with just three. We were one of three top podcasts. That Very this cool. Woman, and the other two were Jamie Ivey and um, Jess Lively. And I think that they're both really well known. So, uh-huh. or Jess, is her name Jess Lively? I know it's the Lively show. Yeah, it's Jess Lively. Yeah. And those are great. well-known podcasts. So I felt, I don't know. Very cool. Pretty good. And we're in that. good company. We're and in very good company. Mental floss. Um, so yeah, that was my Instagram of the screenshot. So yeah. in the back right now. But cool. I was feeling about it. I love Instagram. I feel like the, the my community followers, whatever. It's a really good mix of people I know personally and other kind of blogger online friends. Yes. So it feels natural to kind of share that kind of stuff on Instagram because I feel like it's a great community for me. I mean, it is what you, you know, whatever you've made it, but right. um, I got good peeps on there. Yeah, me too. Very Yay. cool. So should we uh, head on to this big topic? Yes, but let me, let me preface it. So we're talking about free range parenting. Yes. And as we were setting up to start recording, <laughs> um, I mentioned to Sarah, so just as a warning to all of the listeners, the listeners that I have a bunch of extra kids in the house today because uh, just kind of ended up babysitting and one kid had a sleepover and there's just like a whole bunch of kids in this house right now. So hopefully they don't, you know, come across a perimeter. But anyway, so she said, well, how many kids does that make? And I had to stop and think because I actually have no idea if Jacob or Isaac are in the house right now. No idea. None. And they are ages 17 and 15. They're fifth, right? 17 so and 15. You haven't lost like your kindergartner in a second. No, no, no. Yeah. No, they're, they pretty much are on their, you know, they have their own thing going on, but it was just, I really have no idea if they're here. None. I love that. So. That's perfect. A perfect segue <laughs> into free range parenting. Yeah. You might be a free range parent if you wake up in the morning and don't know where your children are. Just kidding. <laughs> that's a quotable. Um, that's a quotable. We could tweet that. Yeah. Um, do you want to, I want you to start because I want you, you've been a parent longer than I have. And I know you've been following this quote unquote free range parenting movement kind of since the beginning, because your kids are probably of an age where when this catchphrase um, kind of started 
out there that your kids were of an age where it actually mattered, whereas mine are just now getting to that age. So do you kind of want to just kick us off? Sure. I mean, do you have questions for me? I mean, well, here's one thing I will say. I don't want to say I got there before Lenara Skenazy. <laughs> Never sure if I'm pronouncing that right. I know. I'm glad that you pronounced it first. Len- I think it's Lenora Skenazy. But the but who I love her work and I'm a big fan. Um, and she's been real. She really has stuck with it. I mean, she's been writing mm-hmm. about this for many. Yep, and has years. evolved and has a TV yep. show. Yeah. Um, but I wrote it. I used to write a parenting column for the local paper. This was many years ago, and I mean, it was probably nine years ago that I wrote a story for my, for my local paper about kind of those things like giving kids more independence and why Mm -hmm. we clamp down on them so much when they're little, or I'm sorry, we like, we, we tend to like clamp down more the older they get sometimes, Mm -hmm. strangely, like we kind of let them do their thing when they're little. And then we get this weird, you know, kind of control freakiness about them when they're like kind of at the age where it should be flipped. Um, And I know Katie Grandy wrote about that at one point too. So anyway, I'd been writing about those topics for a while and then she came out with this big site and a book, and I was just like, I can't compete, and I stopped writing about it. But um, For listeners who don't know or who are newer parents, yeah. so Lenore's nine-year-old son rode the New York City subway alone famously. And See, she that's was, what I didn't have. I didn't have that kind right. of hook. And yeah. she was, like, sort of launched into notoriety as someone called her, like, the worst mom in the world or yeah. something. And she responded with, you know, I think she'd been already blogging and writing already, right? I mean, I don't think she yeah, started. Yeah, she, she's been writing for a long time. But um, just kind of in defense of letting our kids have independence. And just to kind of, let's just kind of define at least the beginning of our conversation around free-range parenting. And that is sort of, I think free-range parenting is a reaction to our increasingly uh, paranoid and a little bit um, almost litigious because we've had some oh, yeah. recent stories of parents being taken to court because their kids were playing alone um, or walking to school by themselves. So free range parenting is sort of the reaction and the, you know, the voice of reason in defense of a little bit more independence, a little less paranoia on all things uh, kids growing up to be independent, whether that's being able to play independently or giving them more responsibility or, or, and I think this is something Lenore's site does now, is calling out um, rules and laws and litigation that just defies common sense when, yeah. when it comes to this kind of stuff. You know, schools and school districts having rules that are all about the, like, 0.5% chance that this one thing might happen, and now everyone suffers because we've had to make an official rule about it. Does that make sense? Does yeah. That, oh, kind yeah. of define that. So that's what I think so. we're going to be talking about, but then also how that plays out in our own families and yeah. raising kids to be independent. You know, it's, it, yeah, I think that that's true. And I think for every, it's different in every situation. And I think that's one thing that we tend to lose sight of sometimes is that context matters. Um, we all live in different communities. Totally. I mean, so here's one, one time that I think it's kind of started to become evident for me. Um, you know, we have, we get these things that we say we should never do with kids. And then that becomes like a drum that we just beat, you know, over and over. So one of those things, obviously, is don't leave your kid in a car. Well, of course, I agree with that. You don't leave your, you know, reborn in a car while you go shopping. But I remember at one point sitting in my car and I had like a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, you know, like a whole bunch of little kids, like one after another. And they're all strapped in. And I thought if they were in my backyard, would I feel comfortable letting my 10-year-old watch them? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. For a couple of minutes while I'm in the house cooking dinner or whatever. Right. And then I thought, okay, so if I were, you know, I kind of like read through all these, all these different scenarios in my head where I would feel completely safe letting my 10-year-old keep an eye on his siblings for a few minutes. 
And in this case, they're even strapped in mm-hmm. to the car. Especially the little ones. Especially are, the little ones. Yeah. Right. And I thought, and I'm in a gas station, a busy parking lot. And I thought, why would I get all of my kids out and walk them across this busy parking lot and then go in and deal with them all, you know, yanking um, right. candy bars off of the shelves and stuff. Right. And it's gross in there. It's just so that I don't have to break this rule right. that somebody else has created that really doesn't even apply in my situation. And I right. left, so I left the kids and ran in and I don't even remember why I went in. I think I was getting a bottle of water or something. Right. And, oh, it was, the other part was that we were on a cross country road trip. So I'd already had the kids in and out of the car right. 8 million times. Right. right. And I was driving alone. My husband was someplace else. I don't remember where. I think I was, we were going to visit him somewhere. Like he was on a job, um, a few States away. So I just remember in that moment feeling like I was going to go to jail. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like like somebody was going to see me like bolting across the Mm -hmm. parking lot, you know, running in. I had my eyes on them the whole time. The car was Mm -hmm. locked. It was like Mm -hmm. 50 degrees out. So not either cold or hot. Like the condition, my, my son was totally old enough to get out and tell me if something went wrong. I mean, it was like totally fine. But I just felt like I was breaking this rule of parenting mm-hmm. and it felt so arbitrary and bad and weird. Mm-hmm. And I remember at that moment just thinking, this is crazy. Like right. I'm using my common sense. I'm using what, you know, the sense I was given right. to evaluate risk. And I think that that's one thing. I think to me, that is what free range parenting is about is, is looking at relative risk and judging it for yourself rather mm-hmm. than sticking to this sort of rule book that right. doesn't allow you to have a mind of your own. Right. Right. So anyway, that's just one. St- I could come up with many, 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 and I probably will come up with many stories to illustrate. Right. But have you found yourself in a situation like that, Sarah? Yeah. Well, I um, not necessarily what, that same thing, but you know. No, I completely agree, and I think um, I think you're, the community you're in, like you said, everyone's being so different, has such a big uh, impact on on how we perceive these risks, and it's so easy to follow the crowd, to, to, you know, to do what everybody else is doing with regard to how much freedom they're giving their kids. So, um, at our, at our school, you can do the drive-through pickup line and you and right. I have had lengthy okay. discussions about the drive-through pickup line. <laughs> Actually, this is an old episode of the home hour that we can link to. We talked about this, but, um, so I'll just be brief, but, um, most people park and walk to the school to pick up their kids, which I did not really, I quite frankly, I don't, I still don't really get it because it's, it, it's hot part of the year here in the afternoons. If you have younger kids, you're getting them out of the car, doing the stroller thing and the parking, there's no parking. So you're parking, you know, a little ways away up a hill right? to walk there, to be there when the gates, they kind of come out of the school area into the public area. And the school administrator, when we were new to this area told me, and she kind of, she kind of outed outed the hive mind a little bit. She's like, I, I don't know what these people are afraid of, but I really think <laughs> it's because they don't, they want to be there. They don't want any, any uh, space of time in between the supervision of the child's teacher right. and the parent. But let me explain that if you go through the car line and like my oldest was in first grade this year and she would sit on this little half wall, completely supervised. It's not like she's I mean, we're not even talking about walking home at this point. We're talking about waiting there with supervisors who are directing traffic for me to make it through. Now, the car line is annoying in its own way, but for me, it was better choice because I have two younger kids strapped into the car and I don't want to get them out and drag them down the hill and all that. So even though we inched along and there was some traffic, that was preferable for me. It just was better for my situation. And my, for the first like two days, my little first grader who was six at the beginning of the year, you know, would kind of watch for me. And I think her teacher stayed with her the first day, you know, so that she knew 
because it takes a while for the cars to get forward. But anyway, most parents do not do that. And I've had multiple parents over the last year say to me, I wish my kid would let me pick him up in the car line. Or I, that's, a, <laughs> that's so nice that you get to sit in the car. And I'm thinking, you, you too. You too could have this. Could have this. <laughs> and I think we get into this cycle where everybody else is doing it. And then we think, well, what if? It is, we go to a big public school and it is kind of a madhouse when the kids get let out. They they look for their parents and the parents look for the kids. So yes, there is a chance that there could be a stranger there who could just scoop up a kid in that few minutes of chaos. The chances of that, I mean, as we know, statistically are so low, especially in a community where everybody knows each other and is, you know, watching out. But technically it's kind of public school grounds there. So I think that that paranoia mixed with everybody else kind of doing it. And I think in defense of some of the moms, they, they enjoy that and they sit in the sun and talk to their friends and whatever. But, but for the people who said to me, oh, my kid, my kid won't, won't let me, they don't want to wait that long or they, or they would feel afraid or I don't, you know, I don't know how we would do that. I just think, but you can, like right, you, you can, you know, and, and that's just, I guess, an example of where, when, what the community is doing and assessing as a risk or, or like setting as the norm, it's easy to get sucked into that. And if you feel like your kid can handle it and this amount of independence is appropriate, then I think then that's a choice you can make for yourself. And then that comes back to maybe that's kind of what this free rangeness is about, yeah. like you said, customizing it to what it makes sense for your kid and your family. You know, I, I, I'm listening to this and it's, it's funny. I have lived in a small town for seven years where the, the mood is more relaxed here. It really is like, you know, once, not everybody, but once you kind of find your people, it's pretty easy to find the people who are like, no, like let the kids go and figure stuff out and um, that kind of thing. But when I lived in the bigger city, <clears throat> especially at one point when I lived like in a more wealthy suburb, um, mm-hmm. That was when I really ran into a lot of people who would say, and I know it's it's maybe not fair to even classify it that way, but I do think sometimes that hive mind can be sort of um, ramped up in places where people, frankly, have the time and resources to think about stuff like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because when you're, you know, when you're in, like when you're in a smaller town, maybe just have, people have a, a different kind of feeling about safety. But I think sometimes in in bigger cities too, it's like everyone's just kind of got to like deal with themselves like if they're right. working or whatever like they right. don't have time to be thinking right. about all the what ifs and, and being paranoid um but i do remember people saying things like it only takes a second that mm-hmm. was my one of my least favorite it only takes a second for what it only takes a second for you know it only takes a second for a lot of things to happen but that doesn't mean they're going to happen right um and then the next you know logical sort of extension of that thought was you can't take your eyes off your kid for a second because that's the second Right. Where anything could happen. Right. And the other one that always bothered me was, um, well, better safe than sorry. And I don't actually believe that. Right. I think better safe than sorry can be, can be incorrect because there's such a thing as being, I, of course, I want my kids to be safe. Of course, I want my kids to be healthy. Of course, I don't want them to fall out of a tree and, you know, break their arms. And I don't want them to run into creepy people. And I don't, those are a lot of things I don't want for them. But I think that if we try so hard to keep them safe all the time, then they don't learn how to keep themselves safe in the long run. Yes. And they don't have the experiences that make 
childhood fun and make being human interesting. It just becomes like all about fear and paranoia and not getting hurt. And I just don't think that's a way to live your life. So it's not, yeah, yeah. it's not a way to live your life. And like you said, I think you just touched on this, but it's also not giving them the kind of layers of experience to make good choices when they do get into a scrape at a later age. Does that make sense? Right. Oh yeah. If you're not, it's like a toddler, right? If you're not letting them figure out how to go up and down the stairs within reason. I mean, we put gates on our stairs because a fall down the entire flight would be devastating, but we also let them go up and down the bottom steps over and over again. And we let them fall down safely because that's how they learn, you know? So kind of a cheesy metaphor, but if, if you're not giving a little bit of independence at, at the right time where it's a little bit of a stretch, like if it feel, I always feel like if it feels slightly uncomfortable, for me, it's probably in the right zone. If I'm if I'm feeling just racked with fear and paranoia, <laughs> right. then then we need to. Or if my child is, right. then there's probably we need to adjust. But if it feels like, and those first few days of school were an example, I would sit in that you know that, and I couldn't get there any faster to her. And I knew she was sitting there where all everybody else's moms were coming to them, and she had to wait for me. And it was it was right up against the edge of my comfort zone in a new school, a big school. And I think that's right where it's it's a a good place to be because then the the kid gets that sense of accomplishment or um, figures out that they can do something whether it's to be alone for a few minutes as they get older or stay home alone or whatever it is and then you know we get more comfortable with pushing that envelope. So you just had um, Jacob in the city by himself. That reminded me I for a did. while. Did yeah. So how did that go as a as an older free range moment? Well, okay, so Jacob's 17. Um, he'll be 18 in a few months, but who's counting? <laughs> and a friend of ours who lives in Chicago was going out of town for 10 days and just kind of remarked. And so to back up a little bit, Jacob's been this kid who's wanted to have, you know, like a real adventure since he was, as, since I can remember. And mm-hmm. when he was like 13, he just told me like all he wanted to do in life was walk barefoot across the country. <laughs> and I was like, well, okay, but can you just wear shoes till I can't see you anymore? And then do what you want after that. Um, but you know, he's just never like, there's just not a lot of opportunities for kids these days, unless you send them on like a big travel, like a volunteer trip or volunteerism kind of trip someplace. There's not a lot of opportunities. Like it's really hard even for teenage kids to get jobs sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's just like the things that were available to us when we were kids Mm -hmm. just aren't always, life is just more structured, I guess is what I'm getting at for everybody, including teenage kids. So, um, my friend mentioned this. She lives in this nice area of Chicago. Um, and I said, oh, hey, maybe Jacob could do it. He needs a job. And so she's like, that's perfect. So I, you know, then then I thought, okay, this is crazy. He's not even 18 yet. I think this might be illegal. Um, blah, blah, blah. Like I had a lot of thoughts. But then what it really came down to for me was he's in a pretty safe environment. He mm-hmm. doesn't know anybody there. So he mm-hmm. can't get in trouble. It's not like leaving him at home for 10 days, which I would right. never do. He knows too many people here. He knows where the liquor cabinet is. I mean, that's just asking for trouble. But to go to a a city where he has to learn how to navigate, you know, the transportation system, has to kind of get familiar with the neighborhood, has to kind of like just get out there and see something different. I just thought that would be a really valuable experience for him. And and so he did. And it was fine. I mean, he it was funny because he was really cocky about the whole thing. And then we did the train with him one time. Um just a couple of stops just so we could kind of get used to it. And then we're leaving. And I was like, okay. So, cause he wanted to come home for 4th of July. So to do that, he had to navigate three different trains. He okay. didn't, you know, it's like he had to get to the one train and take us to the other train and then take that to the Amtrak to come home. Right. So, um, 
he, it was funny the next day. He wasn't so cocky anymore. Like, you know, he called me and said, okay, right. so I have to get at this stop and I have to, <laughs> this is where I transfer. But he took it seriously and he figured it out and there was no problems. And I think for him, I think that's one of those experiences when you're young that make you realize you can navigate the world and it's not mm-hmm. a scary place, especially kids who are in a small town. It's so easy. Everything and is so easy so here. it feels so good. It does like feel a, so as good. As an almost adult, yeah. um, it really feels good. And I'm, I'm trying to, as you're talking, I'm trying to kind of relate some of this back to younger kids because I know we have a lot of listeners with younger kids. But what I was thinking about is when you grant permission for something that feels a little bit scary or first time-ish to your kid, they are like Jacob. They are, aside from the being cocky at the beginning, they do take it seriously because it feels a little bit scary to them. And I think the benefit of that is they listen a little bit more to the yep. rules. And I noticed this. I mean, I definitely have a typical first child in Allegra and she's seven. And so she's a rule follower naturally, but she loves independence and she is very mature. So I give her quite a bit of independence, but when it's something new, like you can walk to this neighbor's house by yourself, you know, I won't, I won't even watch you go down the street. I trust you. She kind of like her eyes get big and she kind of like knows this is a big deal. And I think it actually helps follow the rules. So I can then have a conversation saying now, okay, remind me what you're going to do with across the street and remind me what our rules are about talking to strangers. And I feel like she kind of straightens up a little bit and those rules matter more because I've given her more freedom. Does that make sense? Whereas if they're always begging for the extension, they've already kind of written off your rules or your fear as silly and maybe are less likely to think about those things. Yeah. Like, you know, proactively giving them that to them. It's surprising. It kind of jolts them. Like ready to listen to all your your advice because you've given them a big job, a big slice of the pie yeah absolutely I think that's true at any any I totally agree and I and I have a a memory of being about um I don't know maybe eight eight years old or so and I was I told my mom I was going to run away I was really mad everybody has one of these stories right where they're going to run away and then (laughs) they go around the block or something and the books we read didn't help no they were all like that was so fun all the characters who ran away in the books and like and what's the one where the kids live in the New York City library yes I love that one or the or the wasn't it the museum oh the the museum yep yep yep. yeah the mixed up files I just saw someone write about that yeah that one was great and there was another one that was very dark where like the parents were dead and the older sister took care of like three younger was that anyway was that the boxcar children no it was like a modern more modern it probably oh, more wasn't even one. very famous but i just remember it because they like there was for tons themselves. of that and i used to anyway, have all these fantasies about the, that the running away so i told my mom i was running away and and classic you know ma, you know i was the youngest of many and my mom was like okay just be back by dinner <laughs> and so i left and then along the way i just picked up some friends and they're like what are you doing and i said i'm running away my mom said i can so we just we just started walking and you know, I, this was a small city too, like maybe 30,000 people. It wasn't a huge place, but we ended up walking to areas of the city I had literally never been on my own before because I just never would have ventured that far. And it still sticks out in my mind as like one of the coolest days of my life because we saw you see things from a different perspective when you're not with your parents. And I saw my town. I felt like it was my town, not just like someplace I got carted around right. on someone else's time. Right. And... I got home okay and everything was fine. And, you know, it wasn't, it was just really a cool experience. And I think that that's the kind of thing that can be really life-shaping for kids. Um, And you can't manufacture that. That's the kind of thing that just has to happen, Mm -hmm. you know, like when the opportunity is there. And there have to, I think there have to be lots of opportunities for kids to just kind of move outside that comfort zone a little bit for those magical things to happen. Yes, absolutely. The baby steps. And I think that's, 
helpful for parents too. So one thing I was going to ask you is if, if you are a mom who feels just naturally more afraid, either because it's your personality or because it's kind of the peer pressure around you, or sometimes it's just, it's your first kid and it yeah. just feels scary to let them walk down the block by themselves. And or I think, I think that we, school. I think we should also acknowledge really quickly, um, that, I am very privileged to live in a place where mm-hmm. I'm not afraid for my kids. And there are Absolutely. people who live in places where they're literally afraid for their children's lives. Absolutely. And so we're not talking about that. I mean, I know sometimes it's easy to romanticize things to the point where it's not Mayberry anymore. It's yeah, and I and I think that there is definitely something to keeping all that in mind. So I just want to throw that in yes. there before we move on. <laughs> yes. And Please. That, you know, and yeah. that's the same like kind of how we started that yeah. it's it's different for every situation in every community. And every um, child, because I've also heard from people who are like, you know, you might not be able to tell by looking at my kid because they might look like a typical kid, but they don't, they're not developmentally, uh, developmentally typical. So right. sometimes, you know, I have to kind of keep myself from judging other people's right. for not being like free range enough when I really right. don't know what's going on inside right. their house. So those are just two huge exactly. caveats. Exactly. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Sarah, we're welcoming our sponsor, Element. That's spelled L-M-N-T, a zero sugar electrolyte drink that leans on current science about what our bodies really need in order to deliver the most effective hydration possible. You know, Sarah, Eric is really into keeping up with health research, and he's been insisting to me for years that we actually need more salt to stay hydrated. Turns out Element agrees because they've developed their product based on a growing body of research that shows that for optimal health outcomes, we actually need to be taking in sodium levels at two to three times government recommendations. That's a big difference. Yeah, it really is, Megan. And, you know, electrolyte deficiency or imbalances can cause headaches, cramps, fatigue, brain fog, and weakness. I know I can feel really rotten when I'm dehydrated. And also, I don't love the taste of plain water, so I'm not that great about drinking it. Element makes a huge difference in how much I'm enjoying my hydration and in how I feel, and it's super easy to fit it into my daily routine. My favorite flavor of Element is the grapefruit, but if that's not for you, we're going to get you set up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite Element flavor. Plus, Element has a no questions asked refund policy. You don't even have to send the product back to get your refund. 
Yeah, you can receive a free Element sample pack containing one packet of eight flavors. So you'll get eight total packets free with any order when you purchase through our custom URL. That's drinkelement.com slash momhour, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership, and it's available for both new and returning customers. To get that offer, again, go to drinkelement.com slash momhour. So anyway. Well, no, I was going to ask... Um, if you are feeling more fear prone, yeah. Megan, do you have any kind of strategies? I was going to suggest baby steps, you know, but for, for if you, if you aspire to be a little bit more free range or give your kids more independence, but you're kind of stuck in that, in that place of fear. Yeah. Do you have any ideas for, for breaking out of that or? Well, I think that you can, I think that one of the things that we don't always do we look to the crowd and we look to the hive mind more than we look to our own kids. And I think our kids will tell us what they're ready for. Um, unless, you, you know, some of us have one of those kids who's just like the crazy one who will do anything, any death-defying thing. And yeah. those ones, I think, sometimes want to push the boundaries. Those are the true, those are the ones who are going to be 20 years old and jumping off of bridges right. and stuff right. like that. But most kids, I think, have a pretty good sense of what their abilities are and mm-hmm. don't really want to do really scary things. I mean, I think they want to do things that stretch themselves a little bit. Yes. So I think sometimes you can ask them, like, do you feel ready for this? Do you feel, for, here's a good example. We live on a fairly busy street and we've lived in this house now for two years. So when we moved in, uh, William was nine and Owen was seven. Okay. And I have a thing about busy streets and we're gonna talk mm-hmm. about this later. Like what is our personal, we yeah. all have things that we're not worried about and we have things that we are worried about. Right. And busy streets have always been a trigger for me. Right. I don't know if like in a past life I was involved in a, you know, a hit, like a hit and run or something. I don't know, but just a thing. And so the rule has just been, you can't cross the street. And I never revised the rule. I never revised it. It just didn't even occur to me. And finally, when I wouldn't let William, all of his friends live on the other side of the street. There's a cool park on the other side of the street. The ice cream shop is on the other side of the street. (laughs) And William, who's going to be 12 in, you know, in uh, October said, mom, I'm 11 years old, you know? Mm I think I can cross the street. <laughs> and I was like, but there's no crosswalk and that, you know, there's no light. And he said, I know, I know how to do it. Like he's at the age now where he right. can judge oncoming right. traffic and he can tell like the relative speed a car is moving and if right. he can safely make it across and right. the cars are going like 30 miles an hour. It's not like right. they're, it's not like the highway. I was like, William, you're, you're so right. Like I've misjudged you mm-hmm. because to me, the street is like, no, you know, big, like a blinking X, like, mm-hmm. meh, meh, meh. and so I said, okay. It's fine. You can do it and your brother can go with you. And and then Owen was like, you know, mom, I could do it too. I was like, okay, well, let's, you know, let me watch you a couple of times and mm-hmm. see. Um, the other difference being Willie, Owen is the kind of kid who would try to like beat the cars. I know him. Mm-hmm. He would he would try, he'd be like judging it and going, oh, right. I can do this. And then he'd probably fall down or something. So, right. but uh, William is totally just very stre- steadfast and straightforward mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and it's, he's totally fine. And I yeah. just didn't. I just didn't let myself listen to him mm-hmm. for a while. So anyway, that's a long way of saying that. If we're talking yeah. about younger kids, one thing that I did, like on the playground, I know this is this is a place it can come up. Yes. Um, I would, my rule was I will not help a kid climb up on anything. Mm-hmm. If you want to get up on something, you have to be able to get yourself up there because that's the only way you can safely right. do it. And that right. proves to me that you're right. able to manage it and you can probably right. get yourself down. Right. Um. So I was never one of those parents who ran around like boosting toddlers up on mm-hmm. stuff. The because, crazy high stuff. Yeah. yeah, the crazy high stuff. And then, and then like doing the thing with your hands up, like walking around. I would kind of help them out on the little stuff. But 
I also felt like they were really able, you know, you've got those playgrounds where there's like the two to five year old area mm-hmm. and then the five to 12. If I just kind of kept them in that two to five year old area, it might take them a while of kind of circum, you know, navigating mm-hmm. the structure, trying to figure it out. But eventually they were going to find a place that they could play right. and they could play with it on their terms. And it was something they were able to do safe, more or less safely. There's always bumps and bruises and that's okay. Um, so that was like one way that I kind of got around that at the playground with my kids, especially when my bigger kids were little and I was more nervous. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I would just ask myself, like, what's the worst that could happen? Right. Yeah. I think that's a great question. Just like asking yourself that, like, what's, what's the worst that could happen? And if the worst that could happen is another parent is going to judge you, that is not a good enough reason. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, obviously you have to be reasonable with that because the worst that could happen at any moment is like a meteor could you know, come out of the sky and crash into us, but that's not likely. Right. And neither is um, an abduction in a public park in plain view. That's just not, it's so extremely unlikely. Right. Um, Even though our, you know, news cycle likes to repeat stories over and over and make us think that we're all in terrible danger. The truth is most of us, we live with risk, but we're not in danger most of the time. Right. Well, and I think that speaks to another uh, tip I was going to have if you're feeling fearful, and especially for with younger kids, is start with, if you don't feel ready to kind of let them loose yet or give them the independence, start with the safety precautions that will will kind of give you that mental insurance policy. So start, it almost sounds like backwards, like it would increase paranoia, but I think um, teaching a four-year-old to know their phone number and their address and starting conversations about how to deal with strangers and starting those conversations young um, is really a way to, it's not that those things are going to happen, but um, first of all, it's good practice as a mom, I think, to start bringing those things up and you can do it in little ways when kids are little, but it is also a way to raise, we're not talking about sending kids unprepared into the world. We're talking about giving them freedom and raising them in a way that they know how to handle things. So I think if you're feeling fearful, when it's little kids, practice crossing the street together. Talk yeah. about traffic rules. Talk about stranger danger. You know, make sure they know their phone number and their address. It's not like you're going to let them walk to school by themselves a mile when they're five, but you can start those conversations earlier so that you're sort of building that knowledge and also just help, you know, making yourself feel a little bit better. Like you're putting, you know, a, a street smart kid out there when, when that time comes. Does that make yeah. sense? Oh yeah. So it's almost sure. like starting with the, starting with the, the rules and the, and the safety conversations and before just letting them loose. I think that can be helpful. And I think you can start those conversations really young. I think you're right. And and you also mentioned baby steps. And I'm going to give an example of something that, um, that I did with my kids, which really worked out well. So when Jacob and Isaac were about five and seven, um, Isaac was a total introvert. And so I felt like it was really important for him to start dealing with adults who yes. weren't me um, outside of school or home. Mm-hmm. So we wanted them to start going into stores and buying things like mm-hmm. on their own, like to, for them to be able to navigate that whole process, like getting there, you know, picking something out, talking to the store clerk, yes. making oh, yes. the change, all that stuff. But they were little. So we kind of started it where if we were, if we were at the gas station already sitting right there, we would have them go in mm-hmm. and make the purchase. And sometimes we'd go in with them and then just kind of stand in the back and let them go handle it themselves. And then it kind of slowly turned into us like driving up, letting them get out and go in, watching them as they kind of navigated right. it. And then eventually um, it would turn into like, if we happened to be at a friend's, because at the time we lived too far from them to ride their bikes or walk into town. Um, but if we were at a friend's house who we knew lived 
by a corner store, we would always take advantage of that. Like, hey, kids, you guys want to go to the corner store? And they would get like all excited and then they would go and buy themselves stuff. And then later it just it kind of just slowly turned into this thing where they can um, they can just kind of do this stuff on their own. And it's funny, this Indian restaurant finally opened in our town a few weeks ago, or I guess last month. And we've been dying for an Indian food. We're just living in was we really are in a kind of a restaurant desert around here as far as ethnic food goes. So we were super excited. And John and I went one night and we came home. We're like, oh, it's so good, you guys. You need to go. And they said, well, we want to go right now. And so he said, I can't go right now. It's like eight. We just ate. <laughs> but right. tomorrow. So the next afternoon came and they all wanted to go. And so we just gave them money and they all went to the Indian restaurant by themselves. And it was awesome. That. Like they just all went and they don't have any fear of that kind of thing. And so, you know, but it's kind of funny to think about like this group of like five siblings walking down the street with I their like that. cash stuffed in their money. pocket so they can go get Indian food. I love that. But you're um, right. It yeah. takes practice. It does. Over time. Yeah. Um, we talked about uh, related, I'm just thinking about in our manners episode. And so if you haven't listened to teaching kids manners, I think it was episode three. Um, we talked about that in the same way, getting kids comfortable talking to adults, but that it goes back to kind of safety and independence too. If they're comfortable approaching adults or asking for help or asking for directions, they're going to just be a, a more street smart, capable kid. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I wanted to add too that, you know, in our family, we sort of have that built in, um, helpers because we have older kids now. But if you don't have that, I think sometimes it can be valuable to have like a slightly older friend of the family or mother's mm -hmm. helper or cousin or something. Um, take your kids on those little adventures because yes. even though the other kid might be a young teen or something, that does feel a little more independent. It mm -hmm. feels a little more exciting. It feels a little more risky. It feels a little more fun. And then they get that experience, mm -hmm. even if you don't have older kids in your household yet to take them on those. Yeah, little, I think that's adventures. a great, that's a great point. And I, I have one more kind of question for you. And yeah. then I think we almost can wrap up, uh, part one of two and, um, kind of revisit this topic sure. in our next, next episode. But yeah. uh, what I was going to ask or bring up was, again, it was related to that, having a sibling, having sibling relationships. And you were talking about Jacob and Isaac and Isaac being needing more practice. So that's kind of my situation too. Allegra is very capable, very mature, and kind of, she really asks for the independence and she deserves it. So it's easy. Mm -hmm. She's making me, you know, she's bringing me to my comfort level as a free range parent because she's very responsible and she likes the independence. So she's always pushing for it. Reed is the opposite. He's very happy to follow his sister. He would do, he would go wherever she goes. He doesn't have very, he's not, he doesn't have natural street smarts because he's always in his head. Right. So he really needs practice with, and they're always together. And so yeah. they make such a good pair and she takes such good care of him that she's one of those seven-year-olds who I, I, I don't leave her home alone. I'm saying that very clearly, but I really could. You probably could. Yeah. I mean, she's just, she's, and she's like a little adult in the way she thinks about things, which is, you know, I think the minority of kids, but pretty firstborn typical, but he is the opposite and he always has her. So it's really kind of disabling in two ways it's not his natural tendency to be street smart but right. he also always has a protector so I really have had to you know practice with him but I don't even have the opportunity to practice as much because she's always there kind of yeah here let hold my hand let's cross the street so that's yeah. a challenge I'm not asking you to solve that problem I'm just throwing it out there and well you know I will it, say it depend on yeah. kind of yeah I will say they're about three years apart they're two just two, two just two uh oh that's right they're seven um, and five you know I think as time goes by, you'll find that that'll start to change a little bit because mm -hmm. she'll start to pull away. And I don't mean yeah. that in a bad way. Like Jake and no. Isaac are still like best friends, but they have their own 
friends. They totally. have their own stuff going on. And li- as life happens, there's just more opportunities for them to do stuff independently, truly independently. Because right. we've run into that as well. Because, you know, Jacob did all the talking. Isaac just kind of sat there with, like, mm-hmm. his clammy hands all full of money or whatever. Like, you know... Um, he just had a different role when they were younger. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very natural in a way. And I think that as they've gotten older and when we're all together, there was always lots of opportunities for us to be sitting, say even at a restaurant, Mm -hmm. just look at the waiter and, you know, speak up clearly and Mm -hmm. make eye contact and ask for what you want. Just little things like that. Sometimes I think kids who are really in their head and a little shyer or more reserved don't always do that stuff. So sometimes it looks really different. Right. With those kids. Right. Um, no, but you're right. And they don't, they're not such a pair as they get older. And school right. is, school is great for that too, because it's a, it's a natural separation from everybody, siblings, yeah. parents. And yeah. Yeah. But just in case anybody else out there has that dynamic, it's not like it, it's, you can't quite like free range parent all of your kids equally. Some no, need to push exactly. toward independence and some are going to push you. You know right. what I mean? Like yeah. some, some need to be pushed out of the nest and some, are already flying. Exactly. So oh, that's a good way to end this segment. That was poetic. That was very, um, I think we need to also tweet that. Listeners, <laughs> you can email us hello at the momhour.com or leave a comment on the show notes for this post, which will be episode 12 at the momhour.com. We love hearing from you. Um, we'd love to know where you fall in, on this free range spectrum. Um, and we just love hearing from you in general. So that's how you can find us. You can also tweet us at the mom hour. Um, so please keep the emails coming. Please rate or review us on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform if you have not done so already. Um, anything else, Megan, to wrap up this episode? No, I think just check back next week because we're going to be hitting. We will continue. We will continue this conversation. It will be to be continued. So. Love it. All right. Talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is brought to you by The Essential Calendar. Sarah, this is our favorite calendar for busy moms because its beautiful and simple design shows around three months at a time. Yeah, and with summer fast approaching, now is a great time to get The Essential Calendar and see what I've been raving about all these years. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. Hi, everyone. Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening, and leave the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us, and it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can navigate to the Mom Hour's show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the Mom Hour just above the play button. And then scroll all the way to the bottom and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening.